Last week, um, anyway, I'll just start. You can tell what we're going to talk about. Um, but first, one sheep jumped to its death. And then stunned Turkish shepherds who had left the herd to graze while they had breakfast watched as nearly 1,500 other sheep followed, each leaping off the same cliff. Turkish media <laughs> reported. In the end, 450 dead animals lay on top of one another in a billowy white pile, the newspaper said. Those who jumped after were later saved as the pile got higher and cushioned the fall. The first sheep that jumped was apparently trying to jump from one cliff to another. There's nothing we can do. They're all wasted. A member of one of the 26 families whose sheep were grazing together in the herd was quoted. Um, the estimated loss to the families in the town of Givas, located in the province of Van in eastern Turkey, was over $100,000, which is a significant amount of money in a country where the average household income at the time was around $3,000 a year. Every family had an average of 20 sheep, they said, and, but only a few families have sheep left. It's going to be hard for all of us. Sheep have been known to make questionable decisions, especially whenever a shepherd is not around. And yet Jesus often refers to us or his disciples as sheep. In John 10 and 14, he said, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. And last week we talked about wolves, and so this week we're going to talk about sheep. Um, why does Jesus refer to us as sheep? How are we as people like sheep? Sheep often can be used as an insult. Oh, you're just the sheep following whatever you're told. You just go with the crowd, you know, follow the flock. And Jesus, yet, he uses this metaphor to describe us. We're going to look at 14 reasons why we are and can be compared to sheep, but we're going to put, split, break it or split it into two um, <laughs> lessons. We'd be here all night. Um, so, but before we get into it, there's a common misconception that sheep are dumb. Sheep, however, are not dumb. Rather, sheep are dependent. They rely on a shepherd to tell them what to do and show them where to go. They are widely regarded as one of the first animals who have been domesticated and have been for many, many years. In the Bible, Abel was keeping sheep by Genesis chapter 4. And so we're going to look at sheep and see how much like them we can tend to be when it comes to spiritual things. So the first characteristic of a sheep is that sheep have no sense of direction. In regards to the opening story that we just heard, sheep seemingly have no sense of direction. One sheep simply walked or jumped off a cliff, and the rest followed. You cannot drive a flock of sheep from behind. You can't yell at a sheep and tell it where to go. You can't, um, you can't tell it. You can't force it from behind. You have to lead a sheep. A shepherd will walk before a sheep and they'll, or for the flock, and they'll call them, and then leading them to where they need to go. In Psalm 23, David refers to the Lord as his shepherd. And what does he say? The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. 
He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Whenever there's movement in a flock or going from one place to another, there's a leading that takes place. You cannot tell a sheep to go somewhere. You, they must be led. You can't just open the gate and say, okay, sheep, go to the pasture. You've got to lead them to where they need to go. And we need to be led by Jesus. There are 17 times in the gospel Jesus tells someone to follow me. Because we, like sheep, need to be led. If we're left on our own, we're prone to wander. Um, are prone to fall and get ourselves in disastrous situations like those sheep. The guys were just having breakfast and 1,500 of them walked off a cliff. Wild. As sheep, we must focus on following Jesus, but we'll often go after other things if we are not intentional about following the Good Shepherd. There are going to be things that come up that try to persuade us to follow something or someone else. There's going to be um, stuff that tries to dissuade us from following Jesus. Life will distract us if we aren't careful. Work can consume us if we aren't careful. Unless we keep our eyes on him, we will wander. It's what we do. That's why we have to spend so much time talking about repentance and why we need to repent so often. That's why we need rest and to recalibrate and reprioritize so much because we often get caught up following other things. Uh, we are prone to wander. In Spain, a shepherd fell asleep and his flock of a thousand sheep just wandered away right into the middle of a town. Just walking through town. Not, nowhere near the grass, nowhere near the pasture. Just walking around town because the shepherd fell asleep and they stopped looking at him. A sheep's only chance of survival is with the flock under the care of a competent shepherd. One who doesn't fall asleep. One who doesn't go away and have breakfast and leave them graze on their own. A competent shepherd. Yet sheep can become overconfident and rebellious or distracted and they'll wander away. They spy greener grass maybe in the other direction or they fail to notice when the flock moves away. They get caught up in something else. Peter had this tendency in mind when he warned the church to be on alert because the devil prowls like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour in First Peter 5 and 8. A lion does not attack the flock. It will wait until a solitary lamb wanders too far from the shepherd. And so the second point is a sheep need a flock. Sheep don't do well alone. They're what they call a flock animal or a herd animal. And that means they need to live with other sheep. They are bred. They are designed. They are born to live in groups. They say that you, if you're going to have sheep, you need to have at least four, preferably five or more for them to be happy. If you get one sheep, he's going to be depressed. A sheep that is separated from a flock will become distressed and depressed. Much like us, spiritually, when we start skipping church and we cut ourselves off from others. It's not long before we find ourselves spiritually distressed and, and, and a little bit depressed. What It brings to light, to new light, the parable of the lost sheep. And this lost sheep, it's panicking, it's stressed, it feels like something is missing. And so the shepherd is out there trying to bring it back to the flock. They say that if you have to keep 
one sheep by itself for whatever reason, maybe it's sick, maybe it's recovering or something, what you need to do is put mirrors up around the sheep so it will think there are others there. My goodness. Isn't that just what the enemy does to someone who's wandered? It tricks us into thinking that we're not where we are. It tricks us into thinking we aren't alone and it's better where we are and it gets us separated and focused on ourselves. Looking in the mirror and thinking about me and focusing on ourselves until one day we realize and we notice and come to ourselves we wake up and see the truth that the whole thing is a facade. We've been tricked and I've been duped. Sheep need a flock and we need each other. The Christian walk was not designed to be done alone. The Bible refers to all of us as one body. 1 Corinthians 12, um, 13 to 20, it says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and I've been made to drink into one spirit. For the one body is not one member, but many. We need to be all together. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, am I not the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If one sheep says, oh, oh, I'm not the flock, is it not of the flock? No, that's crazy. If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is, there, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where, would, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one, into the body as it pleased, or pleased him. Verse 19, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. We were designed to do this together. We're all brought together. We're all different. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different personalities and abilities and talents and whatever. We all have different things, and we're brought together into one body. We were designed to do this together. You make up where I lack, and I make up where you lack. Maybe. We all make up where each other lacks, and we're stronger together. We try to do this on our own, and we're going to fail, we're going to fall, we're going to get destroyed. We're designed to do this together, to walk this walk together. The Bible also tells us in Romans 12 and 16 that we need to live together in harmony. And in Hebrews 11 and 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're supposed to be gathering together as much as we can. We're supposed to be exhorting each other, building up each other, teaching each other. It's vital for us to do this together, and if we don't, if we wander off, we will not make it. We need each other. We're supposed to build each other up. We're supposed to strengthen each other and teach each other and support each other. You cannot do that alone. In the words of the unnamed man in the Legend of Zelda, it's dangerous to go alone. We need to go together. And so the third one is the sheep will follow the flock. There's a benefit to being a herd creature. There's a plus to being part of something bigger, but there's also a negative sometimes. Flocks are good, but sometimes sheep will follow the flock instead of the shepherd. Think of the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. One week the crowds are yelling and praising so loud that religious leaders get offended and 
tell Jesus to tell them to be quiet. And he said if he did, then the rocks themselves would begin to cry out. And then a week later, the crowd is crying for Jesus to be crucified. Crowds are fickle. They change. Flocks sometimes can go the wrong way. You know how your mom always asks if your friend jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? A sheep would say, absolutely, yes. Where is it? <laughs> They'll just follow the flock. They can get up, caught up in following the flock. One farmer said, if you have a bunch of sheep in a barn, you can stretch a rope out across the barn, and the first couple of sheep will jump over it. You cut the rope, the rest of the sheep will continue to jump over the invisible rope because that's what the ones before them did. And we could do the same thing. We will keep doing things the same way forever because someone did it that way first, and that's how it's got to be. It's the only way to do it. Instead of following the shepherd, we'll follow the flock. Instead of following the shepherd and his leading, sometimes we'll follow traditions, we'll follow habits, we'll follow what other people have done before us, whether that's right or wrong. That's up to Jesus. But just because the rest of the flock had done it like this doesn't always mean that's the way it should be done. But we'll imitate other people before we imitate Christ. We will, if we do not pay attention, get caught up in following the flock or following other sheep. We'll get distracted by what other people are talking about and, be, and being concerned about. And the Bible says this in Isaiah um, 8, 1-13, the English standard. It says, For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people. Don't do what everyone else is doing saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. That's a word for the day, isn't it? And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. In other words, don't follow the crowd. Don't get caught up in all the stuff that they're getting caught up. Don't um, fear what they fear. Don't get worked up about conspiracies like they are. Instead, honor God fear him, respect him, follow him. The New Testament is constantly warning the church not to follow after other things or other doctrines, other false prophets we talked about last week, wolves and sheep's clothing. Um, why? Because it's in our nature to follow something. We're going to follow something. And um, it should be the shepherd, but sometimes we end up, you know, when a flock gets so big, sometimes you can't see the shepherd. You just kind of go with what everyone else is going. Sometimes they wander into the middle of town. Sometimes they wander off cliffs. Sometimes we follow the crowd. Uh, it's in our nature to follow. When we see someone doing something, we are more likely to try to do it. Even if we can't. Um, many years ago, I was a youth pastor in Ontario. I think I told you the story. I can't swim. I sink. So like you just, just lay there and you'll float. It doesn't work. Even with a life jacket, I have to sink. I don't know what it is about me. Made out of rocks. Um, we're out on the pa pastor had a boat. We're out on the boat. He's got the tube behind him. The kids are all going on the tube. And I'm the youth pastor. I'm supposed to be the leader. And he's like trying to flip them all. And I was like, I told him over and over, I can't swim. And he's like, oh, it'll be fine. I won't go that fast. Whatever. I was like, fine, I'll do it. I don't know how I got it on the tube, but I did. He took off. And uh, tried to kill me. <laughs> he had the wake and I flipped over it. And I held on because 
You're supposed to let go, but I held on because I, I can't swim. And I drank half the lake underneath the tube, just going until finally I was like, well, God, this is it. And I let go. And then I half sunk there until <laughs> they came around. I just did it, even though I couldn't do it, and I never did it again. And we never spoke of it again. But I was just, everybody's doing it. It looks like it's okay. It doesn't look that bad. I didn't know that when you went that fast, the water turned to pavement. It was hard stuff. It was terrifying. But we're more likely to see someone, if we see someone do it, we're more likely to try it. If you, I, I was the first, I wouldn't have been the first one. But I had seen them do it for like an hour, and I was like, you know what, that doesn't look so bad. And I tried it, and it was bad. We see a crowd, we're more likely to join in. You know, when you, I don't know, I don't think they do it anymore, but we used to get in fights at school. As soon as a crowd gathered, a few gathered, everybody gathered. I don't know if they do that anymore. I haven't heard of any. Terrible. Bring back fighting in school. No, I'm just kidding. But when a crowd gathers, and then it gets bigger and bigger, and that's what happens. People just see others, and they just go, and they... They, they join in, and we will join the group, even if the group is wrong. We can be led astray by following the crowd because the crowd is being led by sheep who have no sense of direction. The Bible describes that as the blind leading the blind, and that's what we can be like sometimes, following the crowd. Um, the fourth thing is sheep are easily distracted. Um, sheep are easily distracted even sometimes when the shepherd calls. Um, at a school in New Zealand where there are five times the amount of sheep as people in New Zealand. It used to be higher, but you know, the sheep have died and the people have multiplied. They had a pet day at school, and um, several children brought in their favorite sheep. And so one of the events they had for a pet day was a sheep race. And so a parent would hold the sheep at the starting line, and the child would be at the finish line with a delicious bottle of milk for their sheep. And the child would call for the sheep. And whichever sheep got to the child first to the finish line would win. Simple. And this is how it went. We got the kids. You see it? Cool. There they go. And they start. Four of them made it, and the rest of them got distracted. Some went to the right, some went to the left, some stopped and ate. They got distracted by the grass. They saw a couple of them all kind of went together to start making their own flock and going somewhere. That's what happened. There wasn't even a big distance here to there, probably. And they couldn't even make it. They got distracted by the grass. They got just, oh, there's a butterfly. I don't know. There goes another guy. What are we doing? They got so, it was such a short... A short thing and they got distracted and that is just like us sometimes. Our shepherd is right there calling us and we start off raring to go, all right, Jesus, where are we going? Let's go. I'm going to go. Oh, look. Oh, there's, oh, what's going on over here? Oh, there's some sin. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Oh, wow. Something else. I'll go anywhere you want. I'll do whatever you ask. Oh, wait, there's something going on over here and we get distracted very easily. We're all going to pray every day and then all of a sudden we're not. I'm going to fast, oh, and then 
I'm hungry and I forget and we get distracted so easily. We have a great time of prayer and we determine we're going to do something for God and then life happens and we lose focus and we get distracted. He's called us to do something or to go somewhere and we never do because we get distracted by something else or something else takes our focus. There are so many things um, vying for our attention, so many needs, so many issues, so many ideas. Um, yeah. You go on social media for a minute and there's all kinds of things looking for your attention. You ever like, I don't know, open your computer or your phone or something, I'm going to look this thing up. And then half an hour later, you're like, what was I looking for? And then <laughs> you're down some rabbit hole reading about something else or scrolling through something and you're like, I don't even remember. <laughs> That's what we do. We get distracted. There's so many issues and things. You know, looking for our attention and everyone's goal, it seems, is to bring awareness to whatever the issue of the day is. And then tomorrow will be something else. Um, the disciples, once upon a time, they were in a, on a boat in the middle of the sea and a storm came. And it was terrible and terrifying. And they thought they were going to die and they were afraid for their lives. And Jesus comes walking on the water. Right? We know this story, Matthew 14. It says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And this is an incredible story. Peter says, if it's you, let me walk on the water. Jesus says, come. And Peter walks on the water. And people have been trying to do it ever since, but no one's around. I'm going to do it. And then they think, but Peter recognized Jesus's voice in the storm. And Peter responded to Jesus's voice. He knew the voice of his shepherd and he responds to his voice. And Peter recognized Jesus in the storm and he, you know, does what he should. He responds to him being there. And his response was, let me come to you. And that is the right response. Jesus, let me come to you. Let me follow you. You know, lead me. And so that's what he's doing. In verse 30, it says that when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Right? And we've heard this preached hundreds of times. Peter takes his eyes off Jesus. He looks at the storm and he begins to sink. He allows the storm to distract him from the shepherd and he begins to sink. And we have a hard time remaining focused on the shepherd just like sheep sometimes we just we just get distracted very easily we know what we need to do we know where we need to go we know what he's expecting of us and yet we look at other things and we get distracted we cannot take our eyes off of jesus we need to keep our focus on him keep our attention on him don't get distracted by the storm or the noise or the the media or the theories or fear or Whatever, don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Because the moment we do is the moment we start to sink or we go the wrong way or we wander off. The moment we do is the moment we start falling. We've got people watching for the Antichrist in the last days more than they are watching for Jesus Christ. And that's weird. We need to keep our eyes on him. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep following the shepherd. Do it on purpose. Make the decision because we are prone to distractions and we are prone to wander. There's one thing the enemy is good at. It's distracting. And we don't have infinite time. We can't, we can't afford to be distracted. And because sheep are so easily distracted, they will often settle for less. They will drink. A sheep will drink from a dirty puddle in front of them. 
when fresh water is just a little bit further away. You saw all those sheep with the, their, their owners had the bottle, and they got distracted by the grass and started eating. Sheep will go for the thing closest to them, whether or not it's the best for them. Maybe that's why David said that he makes me to lie down in green pastures, because we would be content with the brown, dried stuff that's no good for us. They will be content, a sheep will be content drinking filth even though it's not good for them because at the moment it seems to satisfy. And if that's not a perfect metaphor for human nature, I don't know what is, but we often will settle for less. He leads me beside still waters. When I follow him, I find myself beside still waters, good, clean waters, but I need to follow him. I don't need to be drinking from this dirty puddle in front of me. I need to follow him to the still waters. He's got more for me. I need to follow him, though. He's got better things in store for me, but I need to follow him. And so many times we will settle for less than what God has for us because it satisfies us in the moment because it's enough at the moment. Ephesians 3 and 19 says, To know and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled Thank you. What are you doing? Might be filled with the fullness of God. Don't touch the screen. God desires to fill us, but we so often are satisfied with other stuff. We will fill up on social media. We'll fill up on the news, or we'll fill up on hobbies, or drama, or entertainment, rumors, gossip, politics, sports, and all kinds of things. When God wants to fill us with his love and with himself, and that's better than anything else we could fill ourselves with. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We are um, settling for other things. This verse lets us know that there are some things which may not necessarily be a sin, but they will slow us down. They're weights. They are things that we can fill our times with, things that we will settle for. That thing that occupies our time the most may not be a sin and it may not be wrong, but it still has the potential to trip us up and slow us down and hold us back. And Paul uses a runner as an illustration. If you're running a race, you need to make sure that your laces are tied or you're going to trip. You need to make sure that you're not, you know, if you want to win a race, you might train wearing some weights on your ankles or whatever. But if you want to win the race, you're going to make sure there's nothing holding you back. There's nothing weighing you down. Um, you don't wear a snow sh a snowsuit when you're running a marathon because you'll die <laughs> from overheating. But you don't wear um, work boots when you're running. You don't wear snowshoes or skis when you're running because it's going to slow you down. They'll trip you up and they'll get in the way. And if I'm going to follow Jesus, there may be some things that aren't necessarily bad, but they're holding me back. Things that I'm settling for, things that may trip, um, cause me to trip or fall and get in the way of the goal. Um, because to a runner, the race is the most important thing. Maybe you really like that snowsuit or those work boots or those weights or whatever, but you're not going to take them in the race because they're going to slow you down and they're going to mess you up. On their own, they're not bad, but in the eyes of the race, they are hindrances. 
and the race is all that matters. If I'm going to be a Christian, Jesus needs to be number one. I may really like to do other things or spend my time doing other things, but if it has the potential to trip me up, if I'm settling for less, then I need to get rid of it. And I'm not saying don't have hobbies or whatever. There are things that we do to keep us sane, to keep us from blowing up, to keep us from whatever. Um, but if it comes between you and Jesus, we need to let some things go. He says, lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Beset means trap and ensnare. Sin will trap us and snare us. We don't see it coming. Um, so we need to be careful. Um, we need to be mindful and watchful and guard our hearts. We need to pursue the shepherd and unsettle for anything else. Go where he leads us and go where he guides us. And don't settle for anything less than the perfect will of God in my life. Don't settle. Sheep will often settle for whatever's just in front of them. We need to continue to allow him to lead us wherever it is that he wants to. Um, sheep are defenseless. Um, sheep are one of those animals who don't have much in the way of defense. They don't have claws. They don't really have sharp teeth. Um, they get older, their teeth fall out. They're not even, yeah. They don't, they don't even have like an, uh, an aggressive noise they make to scare you away. Bah. Oh no. <sighs> Some of them have horns, but not very good ones for doing anything. Um, the only thing they really have is together. They'll run together, they'll travel together. Maybe a stampede of sheep might be able to do some damage. And sometimes they'll kick, but that's about all they have. And spiritually, um, people aren't much better. The enemy wreaks havoc on people all the time. And there's nothing we can seem to do about it, for the most part. People will often, as sort of a, or sheep will often, as sort of a defense, they'll keep a safe distance from themselves and potential threats, which would um, be a good segue into separation and holiness. The easiest way to avoid being destroyed by the enemy is to keep away from the enemy. Um, but we learned last week that there are wolves in sheep's clothing. So sometimes the enemy does get close. Um, but the best way to avoid it would be to avoid the enemy's territory, avoid things he uses, stay away from his stuff. And that works, but um, Jesus also said that he was sending his sheep out um, in Matthew 10 and 16. His disciples out, sorry. He says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And that, so in that case, when Jesus sends us out, last week we talked about being led by the Spirit, but when he sends us out, we need some sort of protection because naturally, as sheep, we don't have any. The enemy can attack and do whatever. Naturally, our own, we cannot defend against the enemy of our souls. That's why, before we come to Jesus, we're all lost in sin because there's, he's just doing whatever. We've got no defense. Um, that's why the world is in such a mess. They cannot stop him. They have no defense system. But thankfully, Jesus gives us one. He says, finally, in Ephesians 6, um, 10 to 17, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. He's got protection for us. 
that you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil so you can stand against what he's trying to do in your life. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, your middles protected, breastplate of righteousness, from the backs protected, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, legs are protected, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Anything he can throw at you, protection against it. And then 17, take the helmet of salvation, protects your head, you're guarded, you're covered completely in the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The armor protects us. The armor keeps us safe. It quenches the fiery darts. It protects us from the attacks of the enemy. Without Jesus, without his spirit, we have no defense. But with him, we can go out and we are covered and we are protected. We were once defenseless, but now we are not. The last thing we'll talk about tonight is sheep are helpless when they fall down. Sheep are built in such a way that if they fall over on their side and then onto their back, it's very difficult for them to get up again. Sometimes I'm like that in the morning. <laughs> no. The sheep are, that's how they're built. They'll flail their legs in the air and they will bleat and cry. After a few hours on their back, Gas begins to collect in their stomach. Their stomach hardens, air passage is cut off, and sheep will eventually suffocate. This is referred to as the cast down position. So this sheep would die on its own unless this shepherd comes and restores the sheep. So a shepherd will pick the sheep up, get them back on their feet, reassure it, massage his legs, and make sure that circulation's going again and gently. Um, Help the sheep recover from the stressful situation. In Psalm 23 and 3, David says, He restoreth my soul, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The word David uses here is restoreth. He does that on purpose. If anyone knew about restoring sheep, it was David. It was a shepherd boy. And that means to turn back or to return. Jesus is still in the restoration business. Jesus is still looking for those lost sheep, or those ones who are cast down, those ones who have fallen. And he comes to, to set us up, to restore us, to put us back on our feet on the solid rock. Romans 3 and 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ephesians 1 and 7 says, In him or in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So through the blood of Jesus, through his laying down of his life, we are redeemed, we are restored, we're made right. Um, through the blood of our shepherd, our savior, we have fallen, but he's picked us back up and he's put us on our feet and he saved us from eventual death spiritually. Without a savior, we are like cast sheep, helpless on our own and left there to our own devices, we will die. But thank God we have a shepherd and his name is Jesus and he's reaching and he's restoring and he's working. 
And sometimes sheep will fall and are cast and they can't get up. And sometimes sheep will get themselves in ridiculous situations. You may have seen this one. Um, but this sheep finds himself in this ditch and it's a pretty tight squeeze. So the shepherd's going to get him out. Slowly. Sometimes we find ourselves in tight situations and we put ourselves in. And Jesus has to come along and pull us out. He has to come along and lift us up out of the ditch. And then we're free. And we go right back into it. That's <laughs> just like us. Jesus saves us. We often find ourselves going right back to the same spot. But every time we call, like a good shepherd, he saves us again, even though we might find ourselves in the same spot down the road. No matter how many times we get stuck, no matter how many bad decisions we make, Lamentations 3 and 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. He restores my soul. He's a good, loving God. His love never changes. No matter how many times I find myself in that ditch, he comes and he brings me out. It's such a lovely portion of scripture, Lamentations 3 and 22, except when Jeremiah wrote this, it wasn't to describe a lovely, peaceful cottage beside a cool brook. Instead, he wrote it when Jerusalem was burning. The temple was destroyed. The walls were torn down. Everything was broken. Everything was destroyed. People were crying, and they're being led away as captives. But when all these things were happening, Jeremiah wrote the steadfast Love of the Lord never ceases. And I think when we view that scripture in this light, it's even more impactful because there is hope. When everything is burning, even at times of great loss and pain and times of disappointment, there's hope. When we find ourselves in that ditch, there's hope. When we find ourselves in that ditch again, there's hope. When we find ourselves falling down and we can't get up, there's hope. Jeremiah doesn't cry his pain and confusion and disappointment. He uses it to point to the fact that God is in control and God is still good. Even though when he wrote that, Jerusalem was destroyed and it felt like there was no mercy. He said, God's mercies never end. His faithfulness is still great. And I could be in a mess and I could have put myself in the mess. But even in the face of that, God is still good. Even if I'm in that ditch, the shepherd is still good and he's going to get me out when I call out to him. Sheep are helpless when they fall down, and sheep are helpless when they get stuck, and so often are we. But thankfully, we have a shepherd who restores, and thankfully, we have a God who, even if we are in a bad spot, his steadfast love never changes. His mercies never end, no matter where we find ourselves. Amen. We are like sheep, but that's okay, because we have a good shepherd. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. So, if someone ever tells you you're like a sheep, that's okay. So I got a good shepherd. Well done.